Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. I wish you a Merry Christmas, again, since the Christmas season extends until the beginning of Epiphany on January 6th. At that time, we will recount the story of the three wise men, or magi, who follow a star to come and worship the newborn Messiah, whose birth in Bethlehem had been announced to them. On Christmas Eve, we share the story of the miraculous birth, but now, up to and including Epiphany, we talk about Jesus' destiny and what his birth will mean to us and to the world. One of the goals of the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast is to be accepting of and meaningful to people of all faiths. The Christmas story is beloved by Christians and one of the eternal central celebrations of our faith. And so far during this holiday season, I've focused on the telling of the nativity story itself and to let it speak on its own. But Christmas is not just an opportunity to tell a nice heartwarming story. Although Christmas dominates American culture in both its religious and secular expressions, Christians do not live in a cultural or religious vacuum. And I believe that even this most Christian of celebrations can be of universal importance. This is especially because of the rash of anti-Semitic violence and hate speech that we are experiencing in America and around the world today. After all, the angels announced peace on earth for all whom God favors. And in my way of thinking, that's everybody. How can Christmas, the Christmas story be told to, as to encourage love and inclusion rather than hatred and exclusion? Today I'm going to begin with a reading from the Gospel of Luke that presents the witness of the shepherds who come to Jesus' birth and extends eight days until he is, is circumcised. We're then going to meet an additional character in the story, Simeon, the priest who 33 days after the birth dedicates the baby in the Jerusalem temple. We begin at Luke 2, verse 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into the heavens that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. 
But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorified God and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, even as it was told them. And when the eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And then when the days of the purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to the Jerusalem temple to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came to the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, This child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Here ends the reading. The importance of the impending birth of Jesus had been announced by angels on several occasions to Joseph to Mary, to Elizabeth and her husband Zachariah, and finally to the shepherds in the field on the night of the birth itself. In various ways, the announcement said that God had sent a Messiah into the world to save us from our sins. In today's lesson, Jesus is circumcised and named eight days after his birth. And then 33 days after his birth, he was taken to the Jerusalem temple to be dedicated, at which time his parents presented a pair of turtle doves as an offering, as was prescribed by the Jewish law. Our new character in the story, Simeon, who dedicated Jesus in the temple, had not received a revelation by angels, but through the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not told exactly how the Spirit had communicated with him, but he was promised that he would not die until he had seen the Christ, that is, the Messiah. Now as Mary and Joseph hand the baby to Simeon, he realizes that the moment has come, the prophecy fulfilled, and he sings, My eyes have seen your salvation, a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and glory to your people Israel. I want to focus for a moment on the importance of those words of Simeon. They give us a clear picture of Jesus' purpose. He is a light of revelation to the Gentiles, which is a word for anyone who wasn't Jewish. 
His meaning to the Jews was a bit different. He was a sign of glory for them. In other words, Jesus was for all people, a universal message of hope for all people, the message what the shepherds heard. For those of us who are Christians or modern Gentiles, Jesus is our entry to the Old Testament faith of the Jews, by which, by the way, was the ancestral faith of Jesus. The faith in, in and worship of God, which was practiced before the birth of Jesus, is the bedrock and basis of our faith and the foundation of the Christmas narrative. The story of Exodus is our story. The stories of the Jewish Passover informs our faith and becomes part of our Easter narrative. The everlasting covenant that God made with his people Israel applies to Gentiles, according to Luke. From the standpoint of the Jews, Luke says, the birth of Jesus was not a refutation, but an affirmation of their faith. He was the promised Messiah for whom they had been waiting for generation upon generation. He was a descendant of the great King David who had ruled a thousand years earlier. The people of Israel, the Jews, knew this story inside out. They already saw themselves as recipients of God's mercy mercy, and God worthy of their worship and obedience. Jesus was the icing on the cake, the promise fulfilled, at least from a Christian perspective. And so they all lived happily ever after. If only it were that simple. As it happened so many times in the past, human beings took God's blessings and turned them into a curse. The message of love and reconciliation that Jesus preached as he grew up fell upon deaf ears. Gentiles and Jews alike turned on him. Eventually, the Gentile Roman rulers of his day and the corrupt Jewish leadership conspired politically to shut him down. They crucified him on the cross. That was to be the fate of the babe of Bethlehem. Simeon's final words to Mary at Jesus' dedication, where he said, And a sword shall pierce your side too, Mary, was fulfilled when a Roman soldier lanced Jesus' side as he hung dying on the cross. Keep in mind that the enmity that was felt toward Jesus was a political rather than a religious thing at the bottom of it. The Romans did not want their power subverted in Palestine, which was always a volatile area for them to rule. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, likewise acted out of an attempt to hold on to their power over their own people rather than to be faithful to God. The long history that followed was not much happier. Instead of Jews and Gentiles uniting to worship the one God, two competing religions developed. The Christian followers of Jesus would find cause again and again throughout the centuries to persecute the Jewish people in general, who they smeared with the false label of Christ killers. In addition, other religious sects would join the fray and history has borne witness to rivers of blood shed over perceived wrongs. <laughs> Whatever happened to peace on earth?
Fortunately, the story of Christmas did not does not end on the 25th of December, this year or any year, and then it's back to normal. We need to reaffirm in our own lives the continuing promise of the holy birth. The birth of Jesus was not a one-time, one-off event. The Christ of God is continually coming into the world. We need to sing again and again this verse from O Little Town of Bethlehem. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. The birth of Christ was not a failed attempt by God to bring peace on earth. The birth presents humankind with an eternally recurring opportunity to get it right if we will open our hearts and our souls to let him in. One thing that Christians celebrating Christmas must get right is a commitment to wiping out the scourge of anti-Semitism. This cannot be the legacy of Christmas. It is unfortunate that we even have to say that, but we do. The conservative estimate of the number of Jews killed in the Nazi Holocaust is over 5 million, although the exact numbers will never be known. Adolf Hitler's final solution was not final, but he did his best. The phrase, never forget, which was often spoken after the war, was intended to make sure that we never repeated such inhumanity. Unfortunately, Holocaust denialism, neo-Nazism, and murderous attacks of Jewish people in America and around the world seem to indicate that we have forgotten. Christians can start recovering their memory and the true intent of Christmas by acknowledging and confessing our own Jewishness. The founder of our faith was a practicing, albeit revolutionary, Jew. As I mentioned earlier, our New Testament faith does not make sense apart in the context of the Old Testament history of Israel. The salvation story that God began with God's rebellious children for us continues in the birth, life, and death of Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah. We can reject the centuries of hatred and resentment, and we must, based on layer upon layer of religious and cultural conflict. It is misleading to say that Jews killed Christ. Christ was crucified by the corrupt and evil powers that ruled the world in his day. Christian faith is not based upon hatred and redress of long past grievances. It is based on love and forgiveness. On those principles alone, anti-Semitism is rejected and mutual acceptance is made possible. We must only profess, we must not only profess to reject anti-Semitism with our lips, we must actively cease to seek to stem the violent behavior wherever it exists. If we as Christians do our part, we can provide opportunities for our Jewish brothers and sisters to forgive the sins of the past 
and join in acts of reconciliation among us. While Jews need not accept the Christian doctrine of Jesus as their long-awaited Messiah, they may still be able to hear through us the message of love and reconciliation that he preached. Rigorous theological debate will continue and needs to continue between our faiths. We all have much to learn together that will benefit all of us. Christmas is a miracle of the gift of love. Although today I've been talking about how the gift of Jesus can lead to reconciliation between Christians and Jews, the same principles can apply to people of all religions. To those of us who have received the true meaning of the birth of Christ falls the responsibility of helping the angel's announcement of peace on earth to all those whom God favors come to pass. Only then will the greeting Merry Christmas ring true. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. Merry Christmas and God's blessings to everyone.